Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What may or may not be trending, but what you will nevertheless hear. Now, 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 now. In the dreaded Staples Center back-to-back, the 22-27 and 27 San Antonio Spurs take on the LA Lakers tonight at 7 p.m. in a nationally televised game on TNT. The Lakers are coming in after a 129-113 beatdown of the Sacramento Kings last Saturday up in our nation's capital. This will be LA's third game this year against the Spurs. Both previous matchups were at AT&T Center in San Antonio, and both were wins for Hollywood's beloved. The San Antonio Spurs, meanwhile, played their second game of their 18th annual rodeo road trip. After a tough, close loss yesterday to the Clippers, 108-105, the Spurs led by 10 after one quarter and by 9 at half, but were buried 31-19 in the third, allowing the Clippers to take a slim three-point lead into the fourth, which barely held up for the remainder of the game. After the Spurs got to within one in the waning seconds, Lou Williams provided the last scoring by sinking his two foul shots on the Spurs, intentional foul to stop the clock. Kawhi Leonard finally failed to score 30 points, pouring in 22, thereby failing to continue his nine-game streak of 30 or more. Marcus Aldridge led all scores with 27. Nevertheless, the Clippers are now 3-0 on the season when they have played with a full roster. And now, living while recording... From the Catch My Eye podcast studio, located in the unsponsored messy bedroom of the lazy bum himself, here is James Leblanc. 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 Bonsuelo. Off we go. Episode 12. Dissecting the Super Bowl. At least partially. It is a Tuesday. Tuesday afternoon when we are recording this. Day after the day after the Super Bowl. The day before the Kansas City Chiefs parade. On Wednesday... I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people there. Apparently, the they're canceling school. A lot of people are canceling. A lot of schools in the Kansas City area. School is off for Wednesday, so people can attend the parade. Apparently, when the Kansas City Chiefs... No, 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 sorry. The Kansas City Royals won the World Series in, what was it, 2015, I believe? Yeah, I think they... Lost in 2014, and then they came back and won in 2015. There were apparently 800,000 people there for that parade. I believe it's going to be a lot more for the one Kansas City Chiefs. And yes, I mentioned how that guy on the airplane coming from Kansas City to Las Vegas was saying that 67% of the 
tickets bought were from were to fans from the Kansas City area. Well, I don't know about this is Tad. I did not bother to look it up, but I can tell you, listening on the radio, it was loud in the fourth quarter. It was loud for the Chiefs. It was most unquestionably a Chiefs. The Chiefs fan base fan base definitely took over in that fourth quarter. They were you could the chants were. You could hear the the uh, what was it the the war chants. Of course, I didn't see them doing the tomahawk chop because I was not watching on television. I was listening on the radio. Kevin Harlan, the great Kevin Harlan, on Westwood One Sports Radio, was saying that the building was shaking. So yes, it definitely sounded like it was most definitely. A predominant Chiefs-friendly crowd. They really showed up, and I have a feeling that parade tomorrow, which I guess starts at like 11:30 or something, their time, which is two hours ahead of Pacific time zone, one hour behind the Eastern time. But yes. That is going to be very crowded. Now, just some Super Bowl notes. Apparently, the Immaculate Reception was voted as the NFL's best moment. So, for the NFL's 100th anniversary, they had been conducting a vote, which had started in July of 2019. For the best moments, they had the fans pick the best moment for each team. The 32 moments are pared down to the final four, then just voting on there. And the final four was the Immaculate Reception, the Helmet Catch by David Tyree, the Receiver who would be completely unknown. Just a receiver who was in and out of the NFL. If it was not for that Super Bowl catch. On a play that is like, by the way, that that probably should not have happened. The referees probably were too... The referee should have ruled Eli Manning down. Because basically he had been bottled up and stopped movement. But they let the play continue, and he was. That's what enabled him to go on and throw downfield to David Tyree. Just a little note on the refereeing there that late in the game, that the refs just let the play go on, even when they should have stopped the play. But yeah, we had the Immaculate Reception beat out that David Tyree catch in the 2008 Super Bowl. Also, the catch by Dwight Clark in the 1981 NFC Championship game, a candlestick, where you know he leaps high up in the air. It's that iconic photo. And then, I guess this is not really a moment. It's hard to call a, the 1972 perfect season by the Miami Dolphins the moment, uh, but 
that came in fourth anyway. That was apparently since it's the Immaculate Reception. I guess we all know that. Uh, I guess Oakland fans were not participating much. I guess in this poll. <laughs> Because obviously the Immaculate Reception would have been very popular with them. Wonder what uh, Jack Tatum voted for. He was the cornerback, I believe, that the ball bounced off of, or at least the referee said that it bounced off of. You know, you can never really tell for sure. But I was very surprised that that showed up because that was, you know, what was that? Seventy-two, the AFC divisional game. I would have thought it would have been the David Tyree catch. Just because it's a lot more recent. So people are going to remember a lot more. The guys, you know, people voting now, you're going to have a lot, find more connection with that catch. Number two, the, Patri the Patriots are America's most hated team. And that one denied the Patriots the perfect 19 and 0 record, and another Lombardi. There you go. Also, yes, the other ones. Also, that immaculate reception was just like the. It wasn't like the Pittsburgh Pirates were, or the. I mean, the excuse me, the Steelers. I guess do have a big fan base. But, eh, they, with the lousiness of the Patriot, Pittsburgh this year, you wouldn't have thought that you know, they would have garnered support. You could see it, you know, if they were really good, you know, they were advancing to the play, in the playoffs, but no, they were pretty mediocre. They were lousy this year. But, yeah, I'm surprised fans had that much memory of the Immaculate Reception. It wasn't even, you know, it was, a, it was even a divisional round. It wasn't like it was any, the Super Bowl. Like, so not nearly as many people were even watching that game. Number one, of course, you know, football was not nearly as popular as it is now. Number two, it was a divisional game. So, you know, Super Bowl is going to be watched. I bet, pretty much bet you that that David Tyree catch was watched by a lot more people than the Immaculate Reception. But, nope, that was the best moment. The Immaculate Reception from uh, from Terry Bradshaw to Franco Harris on the pass that bounced off the official's rule bounced off the head of the helmet of Jack Tatum. Though of course he thought it was off of the receiver Pittsburgh receiver, I believe it was John Frenchie Fuqua. I believe that was the Pittsburgh receiver that Tatum was guarding. Not completely sure about that. But, yeah, good memory by the NFL fans. Now, Mahomes, the MVP of Super Bowl 54. And I think there was a little bit of controversy about that. He had two interceptions. That's all I remember here. He was only 26-42. 
No, only 286 yards. Isn't that? I mean, until that, those that... Basically, those two big pass plays in the fourth quarter, a couple touchdowns, it was very mediocre, and then Damian Williams sealed it right at the end with a minute 12 left with that 38-yard run. People were wondering, eh, why not uh, Damian Williams? 17 carries, 104 yards. Again, that caught a, that caught that pa- five-yard pass from Mahomes with 244 remaining to put the Kansas City up 24 to 20. Well, 23 to 20, but then the extra point it makes it 24 to 20. Then, right after that, he takes the handoff, goes around, and scores that 38-yard run. Just Pretty much seal up the game. Spiel Wendy, why not Damien Williams? And I, th- I think, I think it was a good choice, Patrick Mahomes. Is it really? Without Patrick Mahomes in those. Damian Williams was very important, no doubt about it. But that 38-yard run, remember, the game was... It would have been interesting if he had decided to slide down. Like, you know, at the 5 or the 3 or whatever, instead of going into the end zone. That actually might have been the better option for him. Not to say that he was going the TD isn't good. I mean, pretty much the Chiefs, if he slid down... And then they just ran out, you know, just took knees after that. They would have been in great shape. And the same thing, they would go up by 11. That's two scores with 112 remaining, and it's pretty much impossible for San Francisco to come back. But if he goes down at the, you know, what, you know, five-yard line or whatever, two, y- two yards... Uh, that's a yeah. They have a first down. San Francisco only has two timeouts left. The playcock is forty seconds. The uh, it pretty much would have been the game would have been over. The Forty Nineers would not have gotten the ball back. I mean, that's I guess. they take those two timeouts it's possible that they get the ball back but there's a little time left they would have been at the that their own end of the field there's pretty much no way they come back I think it might have been actually they actually had a better shot with that 112 remaining down by 11 they could have if they all they need to do is get a couple of Long passes. Get a field goal the first time down. And if they can recover that onside kick, they can go for it again. No, I mean, either way, neither one's going to really happen. It was, you know, that touchdown was perfectly fine for Damian Williams to take. But it would have been interesting if he had slid down. Because I think all they needed was that first down. The Kansas City Chiefs at that point, they had the game. Now, so, like, 
Damian Williams was most important. Is definitely very important. But Patrick Mahomes, he just, and he, yeah, for sure he wasn't very good. But in those last few moments, last what you know, seven minutes of the game, he just came alive. And I don't know if any other QB. It would have been extremely hard. Patrick Mahomes just had. He's got the magic touch. He just kept throwing it. I think it was a pretty good pick. I think he was the. I think he was unquestionably the reason why they won that game. It was his huge threat. It wasn't like a Damian Williams huge chunk run that set them up for those first two TDs. It was Patrick Mahomes bombs. It set him up, and then he got you know, he got the two TDs anyway with passes. I believe it was a pretty good pick for Super Bowl MVP. As far as Kyle Shanahan and the, ouch, the bad ending to the Super Bowl 54. 20 to 10 lead in the fourth quarter with you know seven minutes left to go so you're in a pretty good shape two score lead and you end up losing 31 20 that is bad now I think it was any big comeback yeah, it's got to be a combination of the 49ers, the losing team collapsing and the winning team making the big plays. Back in the, what was it, the 2015? No, 2014, I believe, NFC Championship game when you know, Seattle had the epic comeback against Green Bay in the NFC Championship game. It was unquestionably Green Bay collapsed big time. But, hey, Russell Wilson and the Seahawks still had to make the plays. Now, this was not quite as big a collapse by the 49ers. But this loss is not on Kyle Shannon. It's on the defense. Giving up those huge bombs. Sending the Kansas City Chiefs up for scores. Not getting that three and out that they needed at the end of the game. Instead of allowing the Damien Williams to go for that 38-yard TD run. You never want... Play calling is so complicated. and so hard to do. You never want to go into... That stuff is terrible. When people running on you know third and long or whatever, this is just in a general situation. There always seems to be quite a bit there's perceived as you know conservative, just giving the ball back. What if they're doing that for a reason though? You know maybe they're trying to catch the peep the defense off guard. Maybe he goes for twenty yards. You know if they if. The play goes for 20 yards and they convert. Is everybody all of a sudden say, oh, hey, it was way too conservative. It's only when they get stuffed. The guy's too conservative. 
for whatever reason, running is just passing. I get yeah, it's glitzier. You don't. You're gonna get more you know, huge chunk plays on passing than running. But play calling is just so complicated. I mean, unless you know, Kyle Hanishans admits that you know he was. It was bad. And he wished he had done stuff differently. That's one thing. But it is just for non foot for non NFL personnel and coaches, it's just very hard to say that ah, he's too conservative. It should have been better. I do not. This loss is not really on Kyle Shanahan. It's a combination of the Chiefs winning and the, def the 49ers defense allowing those huge chunk plays in the fourth quarter. All right. It is time. Everybody's been waiting for this, I'm sure. It is time for the quiz question. Last quiz question. In 1981, the Clippers drafted a famous San Diego State alum in the 10th round of the 81 draft. 210th overall. Now, if you want to call... I, the reason why I brought this up is because Kawhi Leonard was going down to San Diego State to get his jersey retired. Apparently, the whole team went along with him. So that was great to see. But yes, the Clippers did have another San Diego State alum, another famous San Diego State alum, get drafted by them, but he never played for them. He was famous for another sport. He was also beloved in San Diego. He died, unfortunately. He is in a sports hall of fame, and his son also played the same sport at the highest level professionally. The answer, Tony Gwynn. Yes, the Clippers drafted Tony Gwynn in the 10th round of the 1981 draft. Of course, we, also kn we all know Tony Gwynn as... Mr. Padre. And I th believe he probably made a pretty good decision to go into baseball. Not basketball. Instead of getting drafted in the 10th round of the draft in the NBA draft, he was drafted in the 3rd round of the 1981 MLB draft by the Padres. He made his debut in 82. And yes, he's Mr. Padre. That's his nickname. Also, another nickname is Captain Video. But Anthony Keith Gwynn. What he had inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2007. Like a ridiculous 90-something percent of people floated for him of the baseball writers like 97% so, so around there 
15-time All-Star, 5-time Gold Glove winner. By the way, originally in, when he came to San Diego State, he was not a good outfielder. He had a weak arm. He just actually continued to not have a great arm, which is what right fielders are kind of known for. You kind of need to have a good arm in right field. But he made himself, he reworked his throwing. He, he made him really, he really worked on his throwing, and he got this really quick release, which made it up for his lack of arm strength. But, of course, everybody knows him for his amazing batting skills. Left hander was a seven-time silver slugger and won the batting title eight times. I mean, we all know... I mean, he was one year he batted 394. Yeah, 1994. I mean, his only year that he batted uh, under 300 was 1982, his rookie year, where he played. He was 22, played 54 games. I mean, listen to these numbers the batting average 289, 309, 351. 317, A very amazing baseball player. And yes, he avoided. It wasn't. Don't believe it was Donald Sterling at the time. I guess he would have. He would not have been. I have a feeling he was not going to be nearly as good of a basketball player as he was a baseball player. He definitely would not have been so beloved in San Diego, even though the Clippers were in San Diego at the time that they drafted him. But we all know that in. 84, they moved up to L.A. You all know that he would have had to deal with Mr. Donald Sterling. Now, unfortunately, he did die in 2014. In 2014, on June 16th. But yes, the great Tony Gwynn was drafted by the LA Clippers in 1981, 210th overall. By the way, he is also the father of Tony Gwynn. Now, Tony Gwynn the son was not nearly as good as Tony Gwynn the father. But Tony Gwynn the son did go to San Diego State, and he did play for the LA Dodgers. Not that much, but he did play. Alright, now... Your quiz question for today to be answered on Thursday. And we'll go come off the Clippers for a little bit. We'll go to the Super Bowl. And I think maybe the Super Bowl at this time is maybe a tad more important than the LA Clippers. You know, it's hard to believe. but Nevertheless, I think maybe more people are paying attention to the Kansas City Chiefs win than the next LA Clippers game. Although it is against the Miami Heat. Let's all remember that. I believe it's tomorrow. 
Wednesday, I think, yes. And it was a very good game. That Miami Heat game, 122-117 to 117 last time. It was just over a week ago, I believe. Man, it was over more than a week ago, but... Excuse me. It was very good. It was a very good game. And it should be a fun one. But yes, Super Bowl time. And the question for today is... So, right, 54 Super Bowl MVPs. It's funny how that thing worked out, right? Super Bowl 54. 54 MVPs. But with Patrick Mahomes winning, it's another quarterback winning that Super Bowl MVP. How many of those trophies have gone to quarterbacks in that 54-year career? Now, of course, we do have you know, repeat quarterbacks and stuff like that. But including those, including repeats, so. Number of 54. In other words, 20 at 54, 25 at 54, 15 at 54. How many of those MVP trophies in the Super Bowl have gone to QBs? And you're, we'll give you a multiple choice right here. We can go with that. What I just named, I believe it was, what, 20 of 54 for your first one, 27 of 54 for answer B, 30, 30, excuse me, right there, 30 of 54 for your C, and 37 of 54. Answer D. Also, we have another bonus question today. So who is the MVP for the Chiefs when they played Super Bowl Four their last time? And in the Super Bowl. Or the last time that they had a Super Bowl victory. And let's all just remember how long this ago this was. Uh, the AFL was still going. Kansas City Chiefs were representing the American Football League. It was also, I don't think, nearly as good as this game. It was 23-7. to I believe people probably like this game better than that game. They beat Minnesota, by the way, in 1970. 23-7. But who was the MVP for the Chiefs when they played Super Bowl 54? Email the answer. Catchmyeyepodcast at gmail.com. C-A-T-C-H-M-Y-E-Y-E-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. I hope I said that correctly. Let's do it again. C-A-T-C-H-M-Y-E-Y-E-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. Catchmyeyepodcast at gmail.com. All lowercase. No periods. Just how it sounds. And if you have any comments on the show, by the way, again, I want to thank you all for bringing in those comments. Hopefully we can keep improving. I may not change it to, you know, as you suggest, but definitely take it into strong consideration and I'm thinking about it and I thank you for all that feedback. Oh, one last thing. I want to get to. 
today before we get off is that LeBron James speech on Friday. Uh, The Kobe tribute. Now, let's get this straight. It was a very nice speech. It was a very, you know, very emotional. I just, and I loved, I also loved how he didn't just mention Kobe and Gianna. He, you know, he mentioned all the, mentioned all the other people by name that died in helicopter crash. Crash. Now, it was interesting how he's, but it was interesting how he started his speech. He said, now I've got something written down. They asked me to stay on course or whatever the case may be. But Laker Nation, I would be saying y'all short if I read off this. And then he uses an expletive, which we will not mention here. I'm going to go straight from the heart. And then he goes on with his speech. Now, right now, I think he's right there. I think he was shortchanging himself. Presumably, it wasn't just some random, you know. Presumably, it was something. It wasn't just kind of random. Maybe it wasn't even about Kobe, his note, or whatever. I don't think so. So, the. His notes, I'm sure, were. I'm sure it was a very good speech that he was saying, that he was going to do. And just because the speech is written down and is prepared doesn't mean it's bad. It would have been just as much from his heart if he had read his prepared speech instead of, you know, just kind of ad-libbing. Heck, maybe it would have been even better. You know, we'll never know. But he would have been going straight from the heart. I mean, when we write people letters, and they receive them, and they read them, they do people go, oh, it's written down. It's not straight from the heart. It's, that's not really what he means. It's just, it is now it is, a, it would have been you know, a different style, maybe. But I think LeBron James was shortchanging himself. I think what he, whatever he written down, it probably would have been great too. It would have been, you know, it would have been just as much from the heart as he did from, you know, as he did if he just did an ad lib. And the ad lib was great. And I'm sure the speech that he had prepared would have been great as well. So quit shortchanging yourself, LeBron James. All right. Before we get out of here, I want to thank the Blessed Trinity and the Holy Family. After that, my guardian angel and my patron saints, Francis Xavier and James the Greater. Also my family, my grandmother, and my uncle, Paul the Great and Humble. Maybe we should call him, he calls himself now the Paul the G plus H. And finally, Brian Seaman, the Clippers play-by-play man on TV, Adam Osland, 
pre and post game host on Clippers radio broadcasts and 570 LA Sports. Noah Eagle, the Clippers play man on radio, Michael Madden. Finally, Michael Madden, who has really helped me with this podcast course. And of course, the opinion that I was just talking about, it's all mine. None of it's any of the people I just thanked. I have no idea what they're... Maybe they do agree with me. Maybe they do not. I have no idea. But next podcast is Thursday. Hope to talk to you then. Bonsuelo. Well, everyone, it's mercifully over. Come back for more next time, if you can stomach it. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.